Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thank you for joining us on Community Focus this morning, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. September is Hunger Action Month. And Feeding South Florida, the leading domestic hunger relief organization in our community, takes helping the food insecure to another level during September. It's about more than awareness. It's about taking the actions that ensure that food gets in the pantries and on the tables of people who might otherwise not have a meal if it weren't for the support they get from the community and from Feeding South Florida. Their efficiency is beyond words, and that's why I'm going to let President and CEO of Feeding South Florida, Paco Velez, tell us about this incredible efficiency. Paco, welcome to Community Focus. It's always a pleasure to be with you, and Thanks for having us. Thank you for taking the time. I know that you are always busy finding better ways to feed more people, and I know that you've gone from six meals for every dollar donated to nine meals now for every dollar donated. What have you done to increase this efficiency? How have you managed that? Great question. Thank you so much. So for us, we look in uh, every nook and cranny for food. We work with our agricultural community. South Florida is huge on agriculture. Palm Beach County is one of the largest agricultural producing counties in the country, followed closely by Miami-Dade. A lot of people don't know that. So we get a lot of produce, fresh produce from our growers, our farmers. They're so generous. We also work with a whole lot of wholesalers and manufacturers locally, as well as having the largest retail store donation program in the country, picking up from any and every retail store that you can think of here in South Florida. There are over 500, almost 600 retail stores that we pick up from. So there's a lot of food that's out there that we can pick up. That said, now is a little difficult time for us to get those donations, but we are efficient in that we get a lot of food coming in and all we have to do is, is pay for operating, our drivers, our warehouse, our logistics, our trucks. So a dollar goes a long way here at Feeding South Florida. Yeah. And when 98% of all donations go back into the community, that's, you know, when you look at the charts for valid, legitimate nonprofit organizations, you'll see 90%. Sometimes you see lower than that, but generally 90 and above. When you get to 98, you know that things are going really, really well and being done properly. And this is even with, there's this increasing need to help people who have many for the first time become food insecure. I guess a combination of inflation and still pandemic-related financial difficulties. Well, we, we do take pride in our stewardship. That's one of the things. We have the trust of the community and the trust of the people that we serve. So we want to make sure that we don't break that trust. So we are, we're very good stewards of all the resources that are entrusted to us. When it comes to serving our families, that is really our North Star. Service is our number one core value. And we want to make sure that we have the food available for our families, especially those who are not aware of how to navigate the food insecurity or food assistance system. So we want to make it as simple as possible. We also want to make sure that we provide them with the food that they're looking for, not necessarily the food that we want to give them. So we offer families a choice, ensuring that there's a dignified experience as well as looking at cultural foods 
taking into consideration religious restrictions and medical restrictions. So that way we're not getting food onto the tables or into the pantries of families, foods that they may not use. So we're very careful about that, but we want to make sure families come to us whenever they need food. But now they're actually coming to us a lot more often. The increased cost in, in fuel, the increased cost in rent, the increased cost in food and other products and services has really put a, a significant dent in many people's wallets and bank accounts. So they're relying on us a lot more. What is it like? What have you seen from people who are first-time visitors who aren't used to turning to community organizations for help, who are used to being the ones making the donations rather than receiving? What do you see in them? How are they coping with that? Well, the immediate thing you see is heartbreaking because you see folks coming in here who have never been here before, and there's a almost a broken spirit. And so we try to help people understand that a lot of folks are going through, through, through situations. We ran into this during the height of COVID, and we're running into this again, but a lot more frequently because, as I mentioned before, dollars just don't go as far as they used to for our families. So we're seeing families come in in one of the worst times in their lives, and we try to help them be a little bit at ease and let them know that this is here for the community and they were here for a reason. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we make sure that they are aware of all the benefits and services that are available to them, whether it's uh, rental assistance that we can refer them to or even our own workforce training program. So if folks want to get more marketable in the workforce and get a higher paying job, then we can help them with our warehouse training program or our culinary training program so they can make a living wage or even higher than that and help put food on their own table. I want to come back to the training programs in a second. How can someone reach you or do they look for a local food pantry if they find that they're in need of assistance to put food on their table? There are many portals, Ellen, to get assistance. The easiest one is going to feedingsouthflorida.org, O-R-G. In there, there is an agency locator. You put in your zip code and the distance that you, you can travel, and it'll highlight some of the agencies, and you call the agency and make an appointment. You can call us, 954-518-1818, and we can direct you to the closest pantries in your area. Another way is to go to our social media, any one of those, and direct messages, and we'll be happy to respond. Any day of the week, we'll happy to respond and, and let you know where the closest place is. So there's a few avenues to get involved. And once you have a pantry in your area, then yes, that would be your pantry, and they'll help you and help you navigate through not just getting food, but through some of the other services. Okay. Now, you mentioned this training program, warehouse training, culinary training program, and I, I believe you have a graduating class coming up. Yes, ma'am. So we have our culinary students are graduating here pretty soon. So we're excited about that. I believe it's our fourth cohort of students that are graduating. It's a program that we started right in the middle of COVID, unfortunately. But uh, uh, So we limited the class size, but now we're allowing more folks to come in. But uh, So the folks go through um, multiple weeks of training, over 12 weeks of training. They learn everything from nice skills to desserts and everything in between. The curriculum was put together by Lindsay Autry, Chef Lindsay Autry. And so we're excited about that training and excited about our graduates. So we have a 100% job placement rate where once the students graduate, we place them in jobs. Wow. Uh, same thing with our warehouse training program. That's a six-week training program. And uh, same thing, 100% placement where we place them in jobs with some of our partners, some of our donors, um, even internally. Sometimes we'll hire some of the students and bring them on and have them as full-time employees of Feeding South Florida. How does someone get to register for a class? Is there a maximum number of people you can handle? There is. And so 
same thing, feedingsouthflorida.org or call us and we'll be happy to help get you signed up for the class. Uh, we do have a limit. We're looking at 12 students max for our culinary training program and uh, 8 to 10 students for our warehouse training program. We don't want it to get too crowded in, in the warehouse. Uh, we do have a virtual reality simulator that's very popular with the students to make sure that they start off without uh, banging any racking or hurting anybody. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great program and a great way to learn a new skill and to get uh, more marketable and find a, a higher paying job. And how often do you run this 12-week program each year? 12-week program, we do it four times a year. I think next year we're going to start overlapping those. So every six weeks, we'll probably start a new uh, cohort of students. But for now, we're starting it after the 12-week program is over, so about four times a year. Same thing with our warehouse training program. It's every six to eight weeks. Next year, we'll most likely overlap those as well. That way, we can graduate more more students. And are there any minimum requirements? You know, when you go to college, you have to have a certain grade point average. What's it like for this? Can anybody sign up? Is there a minimum age, a maximum age, anything like that? The minimum age is, is working age. We want to make sure that graduates have a place to go um, and don't have to wait or get a parent's signature in order to get a job. So we want to make sure that they are of working age. Uh, we also want to make sure that we hold these positions for folks who are truly looking to increase their marketability in the workforce and not folks you know, that are looking for something else to do. Right? Okay. So we want to make sure this is this is going for families who truly are wanting to enhance their, their working ability. Okay. I would think that some of the folks who are benefiting from your donations who are food insecure might be interested in something like this if they're in a situation where they're no longer earning enough to be able to take the time and know that there will be some food for them and also work at the end of this 12-week period or an eight-week period um, has to be appealing. It is. And so we have a, our clients services department. They work with our families. They help them with our choice pantry. They help them navigate through the federal benefit applications. And one of those things that we go through is providing them information on our workforce training programs. If they're interested, we enroll them and get them started the next period. Okay. Now, during September, Hunger Action Month, you have one of your biggest events of the year, the third out of three Outrun Hunger 5Ks that you do through the year. And this one is the West Palm Beach 5K. September 24th, what can people expect? September 24th, we're at Okahili Park in Palm Beach County. Um, This is the first time in three years since COVID uh, that we go back to Okahili Park. We're excited about it. We're asking anyone and everyone who wants to participate, whether it's to come out and run competitively, jog, uh, roll, bring their pets, whatever it is, it's a great day to come out and just get outdoors and be with like-minded individuals and uh, get to know nature a little bit more at the park. Mm. Uh, At the same time, you're providing food for so many families who are going without. Yeah. Registration? Uh, registrations are on our website. You can go to our website and register at any time. You can register on-site as part of our, our run, but we have also shirts that people can purchase on-site. So there's different ways to help put food on the table for so many families. Okay. Thank you for reading my mind. When I just say one word, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I, you we've, know, we've done this so many times. I know. Though, this is fun. <laughs> I know. Um, what relationships are about. Exactly. You know, knowing who you are and how Feeding South Florida runs is one of the reasons that you keep coming back because you are trusted in our community and we know how efficient you are. But 
of course, it does also depend, in addition to what you've worked out with all these retailers and the agricultural folks, it depends on donations from the community. So there are multiple ways to donate. Of course, cash probably is the easiest thing for you to work with because then you can purchase food at huge discounts. Is that correct? Well, for us, when we talk about cash, it's it's really the monetary donations are the easiest and the best. And, and that's where we get a donation of, let's say, cereal from Michigan. And that cereal is valued at forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, but it costs us 5000 just to bring it in. Wow. So for $5,000, we can bring in 10 times the value of the food into the organization. And that's the power of that dollar equals nine meals. That's the power of our ability to go out to these relationships that we talked about and get this donated food. All we have to do is pay for the logistics, the transportation, the warehousing, the management of all that. So the best way is monetary, but we can also take uh, volunteers are always welcome to come in. We have to sort through that food would make sure it's good and safe for families. Many different ways to get involved, and this outrun hunger is one of those. Okay. And then I know there are still a lot of businesses, organizations that will do food drives and ask their employees to bring out non-perishable food. We work with Pembroke Lakes Mall a lot. They're very community-minded, and they have a farmer's market every Thursday from 4 to 9 p.m., and throughout September, every Thursday, they're asking people to bring non-perishable foods and also asking the folks who are part of the farmer's market to make donations. So that'll be fresh food. But what kind of non-perishables? I mean, I'm fascinated that you are able to work within, you know, cultural norms and dietetic norms. And that really is an incredible attention to detail that, again, takes it to another level that people aren't just stuck with, you know, the canned green beans that somebody didn't want over the holidays. Um, What are the things, particularly in our multicultural area, that really do help? in terms of non-perishables? Sure. So the first thing is farmer's markets are fantastic. We encourage healthy food. We encourage fresh produce. Those are the things that we want to make sure families have access to. Those are some of the things that are most expensive in grocery stores. And those are the things that our families are, are wanting and craving. And they pretty much fit any any dietary restriction, any religious restriction, any culture. Fresh produce really touches on that. But uh, when it comes to some of our non-perishable, we're looking at proteins. We're looking at grains, uh, certain rices, beans, pastas, things like that, certain proteins that we can get our hands on. Those are the things that our families are looking for. Those are the things that are in high demand that are hardly donated. So we want to make sure that we're providing some of these great staple items for our families to ensure that they have a good, healthy mix of food on their table. So like tuna in a can is a good protein. That's a great protein. Chicken in a can is a great protein. We'll also take uh, frozen chicken. Uh, so anything that uh, folks can donate, we'll be able to take it as long as we maintain the integrity of that product. Fantastic. Um, if someone wants to put together a third-party event, hold a fundraiser or a food drive on your behalf, I know there's a process they have to go to. What does that involve and where do they start? So the first thing is connect with our team. We want to make sure that we're providing enough information and a toolkit so that the event or the partnership is successful. We want everyone to be successful when partnering with Feeding South Florida. So get in touch with our team. You can go to feedingsouthflorida.org there. You'll find a toolkit. You'll find an application to uh, kind of a logo usage agreement. 
the part of that is how to use the logo, make sure it's not stretched or not in a different font or anything. And that way people know it's a legitimate event that's benefiting Feeding South Florida. And then we'll go from there. So the first thing is really go to our website and connect with our community relations team and uh, our community engagement team, and then we'll get you set up. Okay, so feedingsouthflorida.org is the number one place to go for anything. If you want to speak with someone with a voice, 954-518-1818. 954-518-1818. Paco Velez, President, CEO of Feeding South Florida. Is there anything else you want us to convey to the audience? The biggest thing, Ellen, has always been uh, thank you. We're fortunate to have, as I mentioned earlier, the community's trust, but at the same time, we thank South Florida for helping to serve our neighbors in any way they can, whether they donate monetarily, whether they donate their time, donate food, share information with their neighbors. South Florida has always been a great partner of Feeding South Florida, but more importantly, a great advocate and supporter of the families that we serve. So a huge thank you to all those folks who are helping us provide meals for our families. And on behalf of all of them, I'm going to say thank you for what you do to help all of us in the community. Paco, always a delight to talk to you. I always wish that it was for better reasons than needing to feed so many people. But the need is there. And thank you for being there to help fulfill it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Ellen. Moving on to our next segment of Community Focus. This Tuesday, Miami-Dade College celebrates the 62nd anniversary of opening its doors and ushering more than 2 million individuals through to help them reach their higher education goals. It is going to be a day full of celebrations at multiple Miami-Dade College campuses, and I'm happy to welcome Nelson Hincapier to tell us about IMMDC Day. Welcome, Nelson. Thank you so much, Ellen. Thank you for having me today. Absolute pleasure. I know you're with the Miami-Dade College Foundation, and that is part of the fundraising arm. Now, that's one of the elements of IMMDC Day. There's the celebration, and then there's also scholarships and donations. Can you start with telling us about the celebrations? Absolutely. So, as you mentioned, Miami-Dade College celebrates its birthday on Tuesday, September 6th, and we've been around for 62 years providing educational opportunities and upward mobility to the more than 2 million people who have walked through the door. So it's a day of pride, of gratitude for the college, of gratitude for the teachers and staff and all the people that made it possible. And I'm one of those alums made it possible for all of us to go through the doors and improve our lives. I know a lot of MDC alums and the idea of I am MDC taking on that identification with the college and sensing that proudness is really a big deal. You know, it's like I am one with where I went to college. Absolutely. You know, and and for most of us, the college MDC is the stepping stone. Recently, this past week, we saw the news article where three young women from the Honors College were accepted to MIT. Wow. Um, so, so, you know, things like this are things that only we can dream of, and they're made possible by the giving of many generous donors, and we support the Honors College. We support all of the students. And 57% of the students come from low-income households. So we're proud to support our students and very proud of all the work that we do. I saw the information about IMMDC Day that not only does the majority come from low-income households, but you have 
a majority of students who work while going to school. And having tried that myself, I know how difficult it is to hold down a full-time job or even a part-time job and attend courses and try to succeed at the same time. But Miami-Dade College is so flexible with the programs that it really makes it easy to work things around your schedule. It's one of the beautiful things about Miami-Dade College. Absolutely. We understand the needs of the students. And like you said, you know, 78% of our students work while they go to school. So it's the ability to be flexible and to provide the much-needed support that they need in order for them to be able to succeed and make their dreams come true. Now, when you talk about 57% coming from low-income households, although Miami-Dade College is incredibly affordable, a lot of people do receive scholarships, right? Yes, yeah. And there are other needs that students have. So we really take a holistic approach and, and see what the needs of the students are. And we want to make sure that every student that comes to Miami-Dade College is able to graduate and is able to improve their lives. So we, you know, buy books or we buy all the wraparound services that many of the students need. So the funds that we raise are for scholarships and for student support. Are there specific requirements that you have for someone who needs financial aid? No, we have, depending on the needs of the student, we have different criteria that donors may set up or different areas of study that if somebody's interested in aviation and wants to donate for the aviation program or for any other program. So it depends on what donors want to do, but we support every student. And, and in terms of their needs, you know, once they become students, they have access to all of the scholarships that are available to them and they apply. And they're selected based on if they meet the criteria that the donor set up. That's a very different way of doing things that I'm accustomed to, where the donor can choose where they want their donation to go. When someone is making a donation, they do that on the website at mdc.edu? Correct. It's www.mdc.edu forward slash I am MDC. And when you're making your donation, is there a list of things that you can, a drop-down menu, or can you just make yes. a note? Okay. okay. <laughs> there's, so, a, there's a drop-down menu for the most popular programs. There's a drop-down menu for general support. There are many programs that donors are able to allocate, or they can just give to the general support for students. Okay, so this is really one of the key focuses of IMMDC Day is gathering that scholarship money to, and I love your hashtag, saving dreams, because so many people get into a position where they're working and then they feel stuck and they don't have the spare money or the spare time to further their education. But with your flexible schedules and online learning or hybrid learning and with all of these scholarships, it opens up so many more opportunities and doors for people to really lift themselves up to another level and seek out their dreams and take themselves out of being stuck in one position for the rest of their lives. So amazing work that you're doing. Is there a target goal that you'd like to reach in fundraising this year? Well, we always like to reach, you know, surpass the goal that we had last year. I know that last year we raised a million four, so anything above that is, we'll be happy. Okay. 
Now, part of this is the celebrations at the different campuses with graduates, thousands and thousands of graduates come out to celebrate on Tuesday, September 6th at the different MDC campuses, all with their blue I am MDC shirts. Anything special or any particular location that people might want to go to? You know, every campus will have activities and most of them will be between 11 and 2 o'clock. And they can wear, like you said, wear their blue, put us on your social media, send us a message, uh, hashtag MDC. Do all of the things that you do to show your appreciation and gratitude. Mention the teacher that made an impact in your life. Mention the friends that you made and where you went after MDC. Put us on your LinkedIn profile, you know, as, you know, everybody has the last place where they graduated from. Well, you know, include us there and remember that MDC was the stepping stone for success. I love that. And, you know, when you do go to mdc.edu slash I am MDC, you have a feed of all the posts that have already been put up and the stories that people write about. I've got the chills now because there's just such good feelings that come through from your graduates and people who have been able to achieve their dreams because of the support of Miami-Dade College. So you're doing great work. And we encourage everyone to go to the website, mdc.edu slash IMMDC. Make a gift. Help make someone's dream come true the same way Miami-Dade College has done so for two and a half million people since they opened. It's really remarkable. And you're so much a part of our community. And we thank you for that. Thank you so much, Ellen, and for giving us the opportunity to share the Miami-Dade College story, which is the story of all of us. We are the lifeline of Miami. Absolutely. Well, I thank you. And if anyone needs information, we do have the event listed on our website. So you can go there. You can't miss it. It's a big blue I am MDC. And it does list what's happening and what the times are at each campus. And of course, has the web address so that you can make that donation and help keep giving back and paying it forward and back at the same time. So, Nelson Hincapier, I thank you so much for representing Miami-Dade College Foundation and telling us about this great work that you've done in our community. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And listen, I'm a beneficiary. I love the college. I graduated 20 years ago, and it transformed my life. And we just want to make sure that it transforms thousands of lives to come. All right, Nelson. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank Thank you. Joining us now on Community Focus, I'm very happy to welcome from Miami-Dade College Wolfson campus, the president, Dr. Beatrice Gonzalez. Welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back with you. One of the things that is so important is Miami-Dade College is so involved with community efforts. For example, the Women's Breast and Heart Initiative is having their pink walk there right before Breast Cancer Awareness Month, September 25th. We're going to be out there second year in a row that you've hosted this event. You have your annual IMMDC Day. Why is that so important to you and to your students? Because Miami-Dade College is of and for the community. That is why we exist, to elevate individuals who go on to elevate their communities. So it's just part of our DNA to engage with our partners, engage with the people of Miami-Dade County. It's our purpose. What kind of clubs do you have that people can get involved in that help bring them into community work? Well, we have a center that is all for that. It's called I said, and it's all about community 
engaged learning. And it's a value, an asset-based way of understanding education. And so sometimes when people do, they used to call it community service, but we like to call it community-based learning because the learning happens both ways. And we know that the community members are experts in their own communities. So we don't come in to say, oh, we're going to help you and fix this. We're partners in this. What skills do we have that assist you? And how can our students learn about our communities from the stakeholders in those communities? So I said is a great way to start, but there's all kinds of service clubs and organizations. Every campus has a student life office, and that is through which you connect to all these programs. Now, can certain nonprofits come to you and say, hey, we focus on whatever it is, uh, adoptions for animals, you know, or the, the environment, and we'd like to be involved with your students. How can we set up a club or a group to interest them? Yes, that is possible. In fact, because students do have to complete community service hours in many of the programs, we have a registry of those community partners at which students can complete these hours. So there is a process for that for community service organizations if they want to engage. Sometimes that happens ad hoc through the student life offices, but there is also a formal process if you want to be part of that registry. And I'm not sure if people realize what an active student life campus you have. Yeah, well, in fact, we just finished a cool partnership and we're going to have another round of it with the underline. That's that wonderful multi-mile park system that's being built under Metro Rail and the People Mover. And it was a budding entrepreneurs program where we partnered with the underline. They gave grants to the students and they worked with our faculty to develop an entrepreneurial curriculum. And then our students worked on that over the course of the semester and eight student teams launched businesses that were there at the underline. And so they had their wares there. They had their services there at the underline. So again, another example of how we really try to work within the community for the community and with the partners who are also so invested in elevating Miami-Dade County. What would someone or an organization have to do? Do they need to put together paperwork or a pitch to you or a grant request? How do they get involved? Well, typically someone will reach out either through the leadership of a particular campus or through the student life office or maybe directly with the community-based learning office. And it really isn't very complicated because this is what we desire. We want students to have these real experiences that are with the stakeholders of the community. And so you fill out simple forms that are part of that. And it really isn't too complicated. If you want to be a part of community-based learning, that's something that we facilitate rather easily. And if anybody wants to see it in action, you can join us September 25th for the Pink Walk, which benefits Women's Breast and Heart Initiative. We were there last year, had about 400 people turn out, and it was fantastic. The space at Miami-Dade College is beautiful. Under a nice walkway with a breeze. <laughs> and um, I hope we'll see you there. Constance Jones from NBC6 is going to be hosting, and it's going to be a great event. You can always find the info, of course, on our website under our events listings. I so appreciate what you do for the community, and I'm sure the community loves you back. So Miami-Dade College, again, president of the Wolfson campus, Dr. Beatrice Gonzalez, the website mdc.edu, the phone number 305-237-8888. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much, Ellen. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about today's show or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellen.jaffe, J-A-2-F-1-E, at cmg.com. 
Join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus and have a wonderful day. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.